0: Hey guys, it's a brand new BirdCast and I look like shit. I'm in one of the most beautiful places in the world. I'll show you right now. See that? We're in Loveland, Colorado. We've made a tour stop. We had the day off yesterday, so we went wake surfing with my buddy Sean Howser. Sean used to work on TripFlip with me. And uh, we were coming. We have two shows at Fort Collins tonight. This tour has been insane. It's been really insane. But we have two shows in Fort Collins tonight. Sean said, my parents live right outside Fort Collins. Why don't you come hang out at their house and go use their boat? So that's what we did all day yesterday. You'll see video. You've been following my stories. You know what I'm doing. My voice is shot. Legit shot. It's not even shot like horse. It's just like, I've got no power behind it. Dave Williamson just took a dump. Anyway, Uh, we're about to wrap up here and, uh, it's my, my podcast. (laughs) We're going to wrap up here, head over to the venue. Hopefully get some sort of a workout in. I have not worked out at all. I do not. I mean, I'm not being healthy at all. I'm like, I'm drinking so much Kool-Aid. It's crazy. Yeah. I saw your
1: massive piles of McDonald's.
0: Yeah, we've 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 gone we've gotten out of control a couple of nights. We bought one hundred and forty dollars worth of McDonald's, which was a great decision in, at the time. But man, I've been paying for it with my stomach, bad, bad. And then um, and then we bought a bunch of candy bars and we did a candy bar draft. Uh, by the way, which went viral. They started trashing Milk Duds because I said I'd never buy Milk Duds. Look, I would never buy Milk Duds because when I was a kid, my mom wouldn't let me eat them because they'd pop off my uh, retainers or whatever. Get stuck in your teeth, pop off a cap. So I apologize to milk duds. I gotta make it up to him. But yeah, it's been great. Uh, today's podcast is awesome. Uh, we'll, we'll be, you'll be, we'll, we'll be posting. I am like stuttering and tired. I couldn't sleep last night because the AC on the bus was going. It, we were, we didn't have enough juice on the bus to pump the AC hardcore the whole time. So I was sweating last night. Um. But yeah, it's been, it's been a great tour. Zero contact. We've had zero contact with anyone. So we are pulling into LA in a couple days healthy other than just be to hell. No one's showing any symptoms. I know the world is spiking. And once again, we are weaving our way through the country, threading the needle through this freaking COVID shit. Um, and, and if it looks like we're going back into lockdown, we'll just keep doing podcasts, everybody. That's it. Today's podcast is a great one. It was one I did not expect to do. I don't know how it got set up. Um but it was a great podcast. These two are just I mean look, they're both amazing personalities. Um obviously Joe Buck is an amazing uh announcer, commentator. I mean just it, it, you put a mic in front of Joe Buck and he's going to he's just great. Oliver Hudson is someone I did not know a lot about, I mean, obviously everyone knows uh, somewhat about him and his family, but I didn't know a lot about, and and then when I started thinking about it, I was like, I just wanted to have a conversation about, I think we talked about dads because both of them have famous dads. And so um, it's a great conversation. I think you're going to really like it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think, I would I would say that they were surprised at how, I, I really did a great jo- job hosting this podcast. I really did. This is like, If I'm going to get a potty forever, any podcast, it's going to be this one. All right? So enjoy today's episode. We've got some mid-rolls in the middle of the podcast that you'll hear. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast. New Two Bears, One Cave's out with me and Tom and Kool-Aid. New um, Bill Bird is out with uh, an expert that explains Bitcoin to us. So check those out where you get your podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, host of their own podcast, Daddy Issues. Oliver Hudson and Joe Buck. This is the podcast. Yeah, your podcast is especially like uh, in quarantine, <laughs> it sounds fantastic.
1: That's uh that's good to hear. Um it's good to hear because we don't know what the hell we're doing.
0: Uh, in fact, a lot of the hey, times hey, when Joe, I- Joe, I am so fucking well aware of that. Can I tell you, number one, my number one note to you guys, you guys just invited so much shit in your fucking lives. Like yeah. this is, not, I'm literally listening to your podcast going, you guys have fantastic fucking careers. Why would you invite all this bullshit? And you're like, the first thing I notice, Oliver posts on his Instagram, new podcast with Joe Buck. And the next day he's like, listen, guys, I don't yeah. want to give a fuck. Don't start talking shit about my friend. Listen, he's a good guy. And all of a sudden, I'm like, guys, this is, I'm like. I I knew that was going to happen. I
2: mean, I knew that was going to happen. I was going to post some shit about Joe. He's very polarizing because everyone thinks that. Why? Why is he
0: fucking polarizing?
2: I don't know. I mean, that's why I had to explain myself, explain who (laughs) Joe Buck is, you know? I mean. I it's, it's 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 I don't understand it myself. He has theories, he has theories.
1: I I just think I've done, you know, when you do 22 world series in the last 20 straight and all of them during the social media age, I think you get My dad got it, Vince Scully got it. You always get accused of rooting for the other side cuz baseball fans all year hear their hometown announcers pulling a groin when they call a home run for their own team and getting sad when somebody else hits a home run against them. And I have to be excited for both. And so then people just think that I'm rooting against their team, which I'm not, but I don't know. I don't feel like I'm polarizing. I don't give a shit anymore.
2: You are polarizing.
1: The answer to your question is we're doing this because Oliver needs money. That's why we're doing this.
2: It's true. It's true. He's still getting paid by Fox. I, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I have a pilot I was supposed to do three weeks ago and I'm still waiting. that's on hold. I've got no income. You know, I'm using Joe. He's my thoroughbred. I'm just going to sit on him like a jockey, ride him to the fucking finish line.
0: Right. Well, it's, such, it's such a great, it's such a great title for a podcast because at first I like lately I've been talking about my dad a lot and, uh, and you don't realize, especially when you're white, I don't think you, uh, I, this sounds crazy to say, but a lot of times you don't realize what issues you're brought up with, whether they're hints of privilege that you never recognize until you say something loud, out loud on social media, or just how much your father leaves a print on you, like that you can't shake. I was thinking the other day, I, my wife and her mom don't speak. And I thought, I've never met, I've only met her once, or her, her, her mom, obviously, And I thought, I thought, I wish, I wish I had gotten to know her mom so that when my wife was doing things, I could go, you're acting like your mom right now. Mm. But, Mm. but it's, uh, it's such a fascinating jumping off point. Uh, whose idea was daddy issues?
1: Well, I, I think this, I, my daddy issues are probably come from a, a good spot. I, I adored my dad. He, he was a great dad. I, I don't come out of my time with my father thinking anything, honestly, but good thoughts. But I think it's more in my own head in the small town that I live in, in St. Louis, which for people of a certain age, they will always look at me as my dad's kid. And if you go, even though I'm 51, I'm not a kid. And And if you go on my social media, A lot of the slams are you're lucky you had a famous dad. That's how you get. Otherwise you wouldn't have a job. You suck for Oliver. It's, it's a little bit deeper than that. Uh, But I, we are finding that everybody good or bad has, Daddy issues and- but,
2: but, but, but Bert, you hit on something though when you when we, when we were talking last it, it's, there's a privilege thing right that we we were up against you know forget white even just coming from where we came from so you know we've had comments too about oh what the fuck do you have to cry about but that's <laughs> bullshit to me because it doesn't matter where we grow up we all have our shit you know what I mean? Yeah. And even in this quarantine, I think a lot of people who are famous, who are celebrities are afraid to express themselves on how they are feeling because they have there's a fear, you know, of, of, of all that. But but just because you have money or you have fame doesn't mean that you can't be feeling shit in this time. And so, you know, with the daddy issues thing. Yeah. I mean, I grew up extremely privileged. Right. I, I was a lucky man. But at the same time, my dad bailed when I was six years old. You know, I had a stepdad who came into my life who raised me. Who's an amazing man. But still, it's not my real father. My mom was working her ass off. You know, I, I, I had my stuff that informed sort of who I am as a man. And I had to deal with that shit. I still deal with that shit every day,
0: you know? so Do you guys ever feel like you can't, you can't talk shit about your dads because we know who they are and we have our own <laughs> relationships with your dads? Like... I know your dads like I know them very well and I've shared time with them on the screen or, or listening. Do you Mm -hmm. feel like you can't like really get to like, like say some shit? Cause I can talk shit about my dad all day long. No one fucking knows him. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. That's a great question. And honestly, that is a good question. I've, I've never been asked that. And, and I think if I do have any of that frustration, with regard to my dad, I think on, you know, I wrote a book and, and the book was called Lucky Bastard. And and I am that. I was a lucky bastard. I came along at a time when my dad was married with six kids. He had met my mom. They had, you know, whatever they had. I, I came into the world. They were married. And then my sister came along. So it, it opened a lot of old wounds. But as a little kid, I, I remember going to and Ollie and I have never talked about this. On our own podcast. So good for you, Bert, getting stuff out of me that my co-host can't. Uh I I remember as a little kid going with my dad to my uh to my half brothers and sisters' house to drop off an alimony check every whatever it was month. And I don't know why I was there. If I was defense for him, if it it was more, you know, we could kind of get in there and get out. But I remember seeing these six other kids who didn't like me because of what I represented. I represented the end of their parents' relationship because I was brought into the world. And it was an odd, awful feeling, because I didn't get it. And one of the main reasons why I wrote the book and then I came back around was to say to them in a roundabout way, now that I'm, you know, at the time, a mid-40s guy, I've been divorced, I have two daughters, I'm remarried, now I've got kids on the way, now they're two years old, I get it. I Back then, I didn't get it, but they had every reason to be upset and pissed that I was walking into their house because of what I represented. And, and it was really nothing more than that. It was almost like a, hey, I, I, I don't know how dad handled this, but I know that I handled my own situation a lot better than he did. And, and I understand now why I got those looks because it's just an awful uh, situation for those six kids going, what the fuck just happened to my life? My dad's gone. Now he's got a new young wife and he's got a kid and, and that also coincided and then I'll shut up. But
2: Imagine how they feel about you now though because That's you're so it. successful and make all this money and you're famous. You know,
1: it, 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 it's it, it's gotten it's gotten better but I'm not close with them. I, I have My dad died in 02. I haven't really talked to really any of the six, except for one, maybe a couple times. And, and I, we, my sister and I always yearned to have this great relationship with these brothers and sisters that we never had. And, and I understand it now a lot better is, is my point in all that. But yeah, I, I, I can't go into all that on a daily basis because like you said, people know my dad and in the town I live in, he walks on water and is revered. He's got his face on the outfield wall and there's a statue of him outside Bush Stadium. I'm I'm not gonna take swipes and, and he doesn't deserve that from me.
0: Yeah, but it's gotta it's gotta feel like you gotta not not bite your tongue, but like I I but like at times be like people like I don't I don't know the right way to say it, but like I feel like I get to di- I get to dictate my dad's narrative. Mm-hmm. So whatever I say about my dad being difficult or even if I decide to share a story I can punch it up and my dad's got no fucking recourse <laughs> well no, I, I know
2: he's. I'm in a, in, in a different situation in that like my real dad you know my bill I, I,
0: by the way and I have to say I apologize I cut you off yeah no. I, I actually and I know you have you have a kind of a strained relationship with your real dad I actually was thinking about it today and I I, I know I shouldn't but I feel bad for him because I go People write a narrative about him without even knowing him. Mm-hmm. No, dude. So,
2: I mean, this I can get so deep into all this, but yes, no, I have compassionate for I have a lot of compassion for him and, and, and pure forgiveness for him too, just based on his upbringing and his dad leaving when he was five years old in the middle of the night, you know? And so he had no real shot. You know, my dad sort of left, and there was a good time, and then he bailed, and then I had Kurt, and so I had some tools, and I wanted to figure my shit out. Back in the, you know, the fifties, you know, he, he he that was just what it was. You know, he was I don't know how he could have how he could have done better in a, in a way. You know, um, but we our relationship is on the mend right now. Um, Because of a stupid joke I made on Instagram, I said, happy abandonment day with a picture of him and Kate, like, you know, when the better times and it blew the fuck up and it actually started a dialogue between the two of us and, and things are all right. But as far as talking shit, it's less talking shit. I'm just not afraid to say whatever I feel about my real father. You know what I mean? Like, if he can't handle that. Well, that's his problem, you know what I mean. But with Kurt, yeah. you know, he's my stepdad. But you're right; I'm not going to say things about Kurt that I want to sort of get off my chest in the in a, in a public arena. I mean, there's no reason for it because of exactly what you said.
0: Yeah i i I had a I had a girl give me the clap in college, and uh, I did and I, <laughs> and I and I would light her up, especially I, I felt really vindictive, like. I, on podcasts, I just go, Hey, I got the clap. I got it from this girl, and I say her name. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh my God. But I was, but it was obviously, I had not gotten over it. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> like, but, um,
1: physically but, or emotionally?
0: Oh, all of it. It was like the second person, I chick I've ever had sex with. And then it happened, and I was like, I just was, so, and it happened. It was a so bad. It was like so bad. And what so. What is the clap? Chlamydia. That is. Chlamydia, yeah. Oh. And so, um, and then one day, I was laying in bed, and I went, "I bet she has recollections of my of how I treated her and like how I was that aren't so fond." Mm-hmm. And, maybe, and everyone's got their own story. And I go, "You know, I'm going to stop saying her, her name oh my God. <laughs> just for and fear of a lawsuit." I was like, "Yeah," I was like, "Jesus, what the fuck is wrong with me?" But uh, but it's it's interesting that you probably think, you know. There is so much you can say about your, Oliver, your, your biological father that he really has no leg to stand on where he's like, yeah, I really fucked up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we, again, we've talked it out. He has his issues. and You know, I understand where he was coming from as well, though. You know I mean? Not to say that he should have done what he did. He should have stepped up, honestly, and been more of a man. But, you know, Kurt comes into my life. My mom and Kurt have this great relationship. You know, we're... We're, we're sort of this nice little family and he just felt like he couldn't fit into that basically and decided to then sort of move away. But the problem is, is it wasn't just him sort of saying, you know what, I can't deal with it and then disappeared. By the way, he lived in Malibu like 25 minutes from me. But the, the problem was, is that he went on the offense and was, you know, right. It was in Vanity Fair and going on Inside Edition and just spouting off all of this shit about my mother that was not true. You know, because I was living it. And that's why it became as bad as as it did, honestly. You know, so, but it's good now. I mean, we're texting and we've had some great meetings. We drank, we drank 12 beers together the other day and like cried. And it was, it's, it's been cool. I mean, at 43 years old, you're, you know, I'm I'm finding a relationship with my father now, which is nice.
0: What was it like? And I'm asking, uh, obviously in such a small respect, but, um, I'm, I'm recognizable and, and I, you, you could argue famous, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't, I wonder what it's like from children's perspective from my daughter's. Like, what was it like having a famous parent? What, like getting, seeing them get recognized and seeing them, people take ownership of a moment that you were having with them. And yeah. then you losing that moment both of you had that experience I
2: hated it I mean I'll I'll go first but I just it drove me crazy like I remember as kids sitting at dinner tables and stuff and people coming up you know and just you know being disrespectful at some points but even when they weren't I just felt anger you know I was like fuck away man I mean it was a real visceral sort of feeling for me um so it, it was uh, it, it was interesting, and then of course through therapy and all the crazy shit, you know, I think you feel like these people are taking a piece of your parents in a way, you know, they're taking their attention away from you, and there's so much of it going on that it's just these people just drove me, it drove me nuts.
1: See, I've so. seen both sides of it, um, and now I understand why Oliver's such a dick when people come up to him at, at dinners. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, I grew up again, mine's on a smaller level. My mom's Goldie on. My, my, I wasn't sitting at a table with Kurt Russell. I was there with Jack Buck, who was the voice of sports in St. Louis and did a lot of national stuff. But this, my example comes from St. Louis. But anywhere we went, he was like the master of ceremonies, even in a restaurant when we're all sitting around the four of us is my mom, dad, my sister, and me. And he would pull a chair up. It wasn't like, oh, hey, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll talk to you in a minute. We're having dinner here. It was like, sit up, pull up a chair. Tell me you're from Paducah, Kentucky. I knew a guy named Phil there once. Do you know <laughs> Phil? And and that's how I grew up. But for as annoying as that was as a kid, or I didn't really understand it. I never saw any different from him. It wasn't like it was. He was just having a great day. That's how he was every time. And then I saw when he passed away in '02, the outpouring of love and the the. 24, 48 hours on the big radio station here, people just calling in and telling stories about how he touched their lives. And then people actually stopping along the interstate as the funeral procession made its way out to Jefferson Barracks, uh, where he was to be buried out of a jam-packed church and people saluting. You know, I've seen both sides of it. So you see all that that goes into the category of annoyance. And then you see the outpouring of love and, and you know, hopefully for Ali, that's 30 years from now, but you'll see the other side of it. And it's oh, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's now a real, there's a real connection that people yeah. have, albeit sometimes misguided. And they really don't know that person, but they, they've made a dent. And in this world, making a real connection and a dent in somebody's life in a good way is is
2: beautiful. As a kid, though. It's you, you. You're not. You. You don't have the cognition to fully understand what is going on. It's like with my kids, Bert. Like you know, I. I actually say to them. Sometimes I have, I've asked them. I am said, "What do you? Do you guys get pissed off? You know, when when people come up to me and ask for pictures and stuff, does that make you annoyed or anything like that? Because my my parents never asked me that, and I was curious. And they're like, "No, no, it was they're all good with it.
0: You know. Yeah, my kids, so I don't know how your how your kids handle it. Do
2: they? Are they
0: they, they, they think that I turn it on that like uh, people recognize me and then Bill Burr actually told me this one time. He goes, Stop matching their energy. <laughs> <laughs> we were at an XFL game, and he goes, he goes, every time you get recognized, you take it up a level. You go, hey, what's up? And he's like, and now and he's like, now all of a sudden it's this fevered pitch. And what was <laughs> happening is they weren't recognizing Bill at first because he's very uh non like he's just got the hat on, the hoodie on and they'd match Bill, by the time they'd, they'd recognize Bill, it would be like, holy fucking shit, it's Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I.
1: but I'm the same way. I think that comes from being a pleaser. So, I, and, and the bad thing is you get worn out pleasing everybody else And then you get home and you're exhausted, or your wife says something to it, and you're like, leave me alone. I'll get. Yeah, I, I heard you. Or whatever. It's like, why? Why are you nicer? This is my inner dialogue. Why am I nicer to, you know, the guy that comes up and goes, hey, why do you hate the Packers? Ha ha ha. And and then we start talking about the Packers, and I'm matching the same intensity why, like why you Why do you
2: hate the Packers?
1: Why would I hate the <laughs> Packers? I don't <laughs> hate the fucking Packers. I don't why? hate any team. You do but hate yeah, the Packers. I do not.
2: Why? I just, so just want to get that shit going to like make you make it even worse.
1: <laughs> oh, it just drives me crazy. It's like of all the teams, that's the one I don't really get. But, um, but yeah, I'm the same way, Bert. I mean, I, I I somebody comes up, and I want them to walk away going, that's the nicest guy I've ever met in my life. And and it's probably not the right way to be go about it.
0: <laughs> Isn't that the fucking truth?
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I'm like that. But I and maybe it comes from, you know, I've done plenty of my own therapy. It comes from walking in that house with my dad for that alimony check and going, I want these other kids to like me, but they hate me. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get them over out to my side. And so maybe I've been... Well, you
2: also, you know, you since. also want... You also, as a kid, you want kids to like you for yourself, for you, you know, and not yeah. for your parents. Yeah. That was a big thing for me growing up was sort of... And, and, and by the way, you get sharp, you know? So you, you become keen to sort of who is liking you for you and who sort of just wants to meet your parents, you know? And that stays with you forever and ever. But You're also think, aware. You can learn to use it to your advantage, too. That well.
1: That's a good word, though, <laughs> sharp. You start getting, like, uh, yeah. Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, like, looking around <laughs> the room going, okay, we got a bogey coming in from yeah. Uh, yeah. To 11 o'clock on Mom and Dad, yeah. and you're just waiting for it to happen. And now, in the age of social media, you become almost paranoid to, to even be loud in a bar or whatever it is, because you know somebody, if you... If, Somebody's videoing it or, you know, about to recount their horrible experience with Joe Oliver Burt in uh, a local Shonies.
0: Oh, yeah, I've turned it into I think I've turned it into a little bit of a um, I don't know. It's it, You know how you are when you have a mic on and you're and you're consistently aware that people, that everyone's listening. Mm-hmm. I had a mic on so much at one point in my life for like nine years, almost every day beginning of the day till the end of the day that I got very aware of that that someone could be videotaping me or or listening to me and now I I I would I would argue that I'm maybe not I'll never turn into a Karen you know like the lose my shit outside of of Ralph's but just because I'm always I'm hyper aware that everyone's videotaping Mm -hmm. you know and so uh so like yeah I don't I almost feel like a flaw like I like if like I over tip only because I'm hyper aware that everyone's going to light you up for not tipping these days. Yeah,
1: no, I know. And and this is, again, there are are going to be people, I think, to go back to what we first started talking about, because Oliver and I have experienced in the handful of podcasts we've done, we'll go, Oh, well, your parents got, your parents got identified in a restaurant. Oh, well, you got people coming up to you. Uh, you think a t- a cameras on you all the time, but, that's just the, I can't be, I'm not going to be fake about it. That's just the stuff that runs through my head too. And it, it it inhibits the fun that I have and it inhibits, I think, a whole side of my personality that I could be in public with my wife who loves to have fun, but I shut it down because I'm like, ah, I'm not going to go dance. Why would I go dance? This guy's, you know, if I walk out there, everybody's going to watch me go dance. I suck at dancing. You're good at dancing. I'm not walking out
2: there. Yeah, but that's your own insecurity, not just about dancing. But I'm saying just generally, you know, you, you're just, you, you, can, you, need to, you can let it go much more. I mean, when, when we do our podcast, you know, when we're editing things, you know, there's certain moments where Joe's like, do we need to keep that in where you, you talk about going down on your high school girlfriend and getting waterlogged?
0: he's like that's just i just
1: didn't think it was germane to the story
0: (laughs) you're the first podcaster to ever use the word germane i don't even
2: think it fits
0: i don't even think it it works that was spade spade's the one who came up with that one (laughs)
1: yeah exactly uh yeah i guilty as charged oliver there there's no doubt and you're right i could loosen up a little bit more but I don't know. I feel like I have to protect something and, and I don't know what the hell I'm protecting. I don't know why, because I feel like you and I pretty much talk about whatever we yeah. want yeah, we in, in whatever manner we want. So I, why would I be protected? Uh, it's stupid.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Hymns. If you haven't heard me talking about Hymns, then you have not been listening. They are helping guys look their best. And if it's time for you to look your best, did you know that 66% of men start losing their hair by the age of 35? And once you've noticed this thinning, it can be too late. You got to get in front of that train. That's what I did. If you start moving backwards, do something about it. If you're feeling a bald spot, do something about it. I was 22 years old. No, I think I was 21. I might have been younger. I might have been 21 when someone told me I was losing my hair and I jumped on that train and I've done something about it. And I don't have the perfect head of hair, but I still have more hair than Tom. Mark my words. For Hims is one-stop shopping for hair loss, skincare, sexual wellness—all for men. Write a new chapter in your book of your life, and start with you having a full head of hair. Hims is not snake oil pills or gas station over-the-counter supplements. These are prescription solutions backed by science. Created, this company was created by a man who knows that most conversations for men are better to have online than in person. And you just—all you got to do. Real quick, they connect you with some online doctors, would save you hours, completely confidential and discreet. Answer a few quick questions, doctor will review, and if they determine it's right for you, they prescribe. They can prescribe you the medication to treat your hair loss and ship it directly to your door discreetly. Right now, my listeners can get started with their first month for free. Go to 4hims.com slash BurtCast. That's 4hims.com slash BurtCast. Remember, prescription requires an online consultation with a medical co- provider. Who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Offer valid only if prescribed. Three-month minimum subscription. Additional restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that's 4hims.com slash birdcast. Ever eat a meal so good you could feel like you could eat it over and over and over again, never getting tired of it? Just eat it every time. That's what Blue Aprons doing this month. This entire menu, our recipes, customers repeatedly asked to bring back. The ones I love, that my family's love. We've looked at this menu. These are our favorite meals. They're the highest rated ones. The ones they say they cook every week. So if you're looking to start a meal kit, meal service kit now, this is the perfect time to see why people love Blue Apron. Home cooking matters now more than ever. I know that for a fact it goes without saying that everyone's cooking at home. And it gives us peace of mind to know that we have fresh ing- ingredients delivered to us. We don't have to go out to the store. They're sent to us quality ingredients right to my door so we can cook delicious, easy-to-cook comfort meals in our house. Consider Blue Apron your kitchen coach. They teach you new skills, change up your routine, and teaches you to try new things. From dishes designed by health for a healthy lifestyle to those with special ingredients, you're going to love how good cooking can be. Over half of their signature dish menus is stacked with ready-to-go meals designed for balanced eating. Create a plan that works for you with their ever-changing meal options. You busy? Well, guess what? Blue Apron's menu and schedule is flexible. You can schedule, skip, or cancel orders whenever you want. Traveling? You can send your box to your destination. Or a friend, if you're going to ask me. I've been using Blue Apron, I think now, for about four years, and it has changed the way my family eats, changed the way my family hangs out together, I'm telling you, you're going to love this. Don't sacrifice flavor. Don't settle for boring meals. With Blue Apron, you can enjoy top-rated recipes all month long. Check out this week's menu and get $30 off across your first two deliveries when you visit blueapron.com slash BurtCast. That's blueapron.com slash BurtCast. Blue Apron, feed your soul. It's funny your name has come up recently, Joe, a number of times in my news feed randomly. Uh like like and I couldn't. And then today I was like, oh, it's because he has a podcast. Like it's because you're saying things a lot now. And and you are like we all got into podcasting nobodies. Like we were nobodies. And we just started it because we wanted we wanted to hear ourselves talk. We wanted someone to listen. And and I'm I mean I know that one of my buddies has a really big podcast and he everything he says is now newsworthy. And you are like him, where all of a sudden, like nonstop, you're in my newsfeed. feed, and uh, and I was like, oh, that's that could get cumbersome for Joe. That might be where you gotta all of a sudden think of, like you said, I can't dance, but now when it comes to talking, I can't talk about uh, fucking. I was. What was the one that the one I read this morning was the Randy Moss call. Mm-hmm. They're like. Yeah. I mean, would you like take that it. back? And you're like,
1: what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> four. I, I can't even tell you how many minutes I've done on live national television. And it's like, we're okay. Yeah. It's, it's almost, it's, it's like checking the boxes whenever I do an interview. It's, you know, why do you think you do a great job, but why do you think people hate you? Okay. Check. Uh, Randy Moss. Uh, would you take that back? Check. You know, you got to go over the same shit every time. And I'm answering for stuff that I said in 04, and you're right. I mean, the other thing I said recently was, uh, was about Fox putting in, you know, like an ambient crowd noise under the broadcast, which I think, first of all, that's not cutting edge. Secondly, we're doing an entertainment show. And, and finally, if you do a game and it's just flat under it, <laughs> that's, that's just terrible. So it's not really that groundbreaking. And I've said it for the last month. I just said it on HBO in April. And then I said it on Andy Cohen's radio show and it got picked up and then it becomes a thing. It's like wh- why is it a thing today? It wasn't a thing a month ago, but whatever. It just see, I, like, that if it I does, like
2: all this. I like it all because it just drives more people to our podcast. So the more he can make me in the <laughs> news and the more shit that can get picked up, the better it is for daddy issues. But I
1: see that with Aikman. You know, Aikman is a guy who's very protective of his his career, his name, his brand, if you will. And if he weighs in on the Tom Brady deflate gate thing, which we saw, or he says Donovan McNabb is inaccurate on short passes, everybody else can say the same stuff. But when it comes from him, it goes on the crawl underneath the highlights on ESPN. Fox's Troy Aikman says, or Hall of Famer Troy Aikman says. And so, yeah, that it, it kind of it makes you... A little leery because if you say something that becomes one of those headline things, then you're answering for it for the next month and a half. It's like I don't even want to answer. I don't. It's not that big of a deal. I don't want to answer for it for the next month.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think they should put uh, crowd noise in the games personally. Oh,
1: yeah. Wait, till, wait till we have games and they don't do it. It's going to be like, what am I watching? Well, it's, it's
0: like the crazy. UFC fights, you know? Oh, yeah, uncomfortable, weird. You're watching your parents fuck. It's. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's it's like,
1: not true.
0: <laughs> only I with mean, less blood yeah it's fucking <laughs> i, I actually go i go it's so weird Ro- joe rogan I, and i was like it's so weird to hear you interview someone after a fight and hear them talk but no tears out of it's like really weird i think they should let uh c- corporate sponsors buy uh quarters of the football games and allow them to be the ones that put the cheers and the booze in yes and let, and yes. I, I mean, let's make some money. I, there, I, I think there's an opportunity. I do not want to hear a quiet football game.
1: It just it's it's off-putting, and and I I still think, and and I and then this is what really pissed me off. I said, and I know Fox is working on having uh, like a a look of a crowd, whatever the phrase is, like almost animated crowd, a, a digital, cro- digital, like a digitally digital, enhanced right. crowd. And, but I said, they're working on it. And then the next day, the headline is Joe Buck says Fox will put in audio. I I do think they will. So yep, I agree. I'm good with that. And we'll put in, you know, people in the stands. And and I've talked to everybody at Fox, and they were fine with me saying that stuff, because they want to be ahead of it. But if it doesn't look right, they're not going to do it. But we're in uncharted waters. I mean, nobody knows what this is all going to look like when it comes back. But for people at home, they need to look at, have it be somewhat of what they're used to seeing. Otherwise it's going to be, if I see an empty stadium, I'm like, next, you know, it, it
2: just, it's almost like a trigger. Like it's not important. Well, I think I we were talking about this before Joe and I, I was like, they should, they should get creative with it. Fuck it. Be progressive. Like put in like an old school laugh track or something <laughs> or, yeah, <you know>, like <laughs> you can just do whatever sound effects that you want, you know, right. a big gong, a gong when there's like yeah. a they pass or something like that. Put in
1: fake chants, put in, you know, make it like a soccer crowd in Europe or whatever it is, but they need to try a, whatever they can think of and see if it makes it more fun. It's also a great opportunity to really push coverage into areas that it's never been. You know, like the way they did the XFL, where you're actually listening to the coordinator quarterback conversation at the headset, or you're hearing what they're talking about in the officials booth when they're over, you know, if they're about to overrule a call on the field, that stuff's all really fascinating stuff. I don't know if they'll do it, but you have to exhaust all opportunities and maybe it pushes the overall coverage into areas that have never been seen
0: before. I want to. Do you think they're going to let us anyone go to the game and socially distance? Like throw some high price tickets out there?
1: Man, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know. And 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 again, you know, we're looking at, at these rules. I don't know if you bothered to read them. And I read about two thirds of them in baseball with the checklist of things that they're not allowed to do, including showering after the game and spitting on the field <laughs> and high fiving. <laughs> Real quick, I mean, way
0: to find the gay guy on the team. Woman, on out. That does it.
1: It's, it's amazing. Like, they're going to be moving around like, am I – is it okay? They're going to socially distance dugouts. They're going to – you know, it's a lot. I mean, there are a lot of hoops to jump through. So I think fans are down the list. I mean, like, they want to do it beyond belief to get fans in there. But if they can't do it safely, they're just not going to do it.
0: Yeah, that is crazy. We were, I was talking about uh, doing a show and they were like, yeah. And I was super excited. And then they're like, you know, hey, I think you're going to go into quarantine for 14 days before you do it. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, yeah, well, they're going to put you in a house. And then t- in order for insurance purposes, they're going to have to quarantine you for 14 days. And all of a sudden it became like, I don't know if I can go to some fucking city that I don't live in and sit in some rental house for a m- like half a month. Uh, like, so it is crazy. Like just the, the, when you do the math of, I used to do a adventure, an adventure show. And one of the things that used to give me solace at night was that dude who thought of all the issues that could have happened. Like whenever you jumped off the stratosphere, there was one guy that they hired to do all the math and go, what about this? What about wind change? Yeah. And that's the, there's a guy in the working at the NFL going, I know we want to have football, but what about dot, dot, dot? And you go, Jesus, man.
2: Yeah. I mean, and what, f- what were you going to, what what show? I mean, was this a show that was out of town that they're going to quarantine you in a in a rental for?
0: Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you can't, I mean, if you want to do television and, you know, productions are starting back up. Uh, are it,
2: they? I mean, we're dealing with that right now because I, I have a pilot for CBS. I was supposed to do now we're on hold and we're just waiting to sort of shoot the pilot. Everyone's Tyler
0: Perry it. just opened up, said he's going to start production uh-oh, in the studios. And, so and like it, the places, the uh, the places that uh, that are going. Is that the, real? Yeah, is yeah, that yeah. Real?
1: Oh, no, you yeah. got. Medea's coming
2: back. He, he is. A, the rest he, of the world has to wait. Studio. He owns the whole studio. No, here. I
1: know. I'm just saying, Oliver. You know, send your. Have your agent send your. Your head shot in to be like like, Bert. I'm like Bert. I don't want to go to Atlanta.
0: Medea comes out of quarantine. (laughs) I'm I am this fucking close to being one of those uh those people that lose it and just go to bars and do everything and just like it's there is a sensibility of like do you remember at the end my me and my youngest daughter horrible parenting choice watched Platoon the other night at midnight. I think that's great great parenting.
2: Great parenting. I do that all the time. Unless she's like four. 13
0: yeah that's our seeds <laughs> out <dope>, dude yeah. <laughs> she uh there was a point where charlie sheen just is like fuck it and he just pops out of the foxhole and just starts going and oh, killing yeah. everyone and that is the mentality that's happening in america where they're like i'm done being in the foxhole like i'm out and like wisconsin they're going to bars yeah. Florida's opened up atlanta's opened up it's so it's kind of like i'm I, I had to go to rite aid today to get blood pressure medicine and i I, I just, it, I'm just at my wits end with this fucking quarantine.
2: Yeah. No, I know. I know, man. I, I just went camping. I went to this place called El Capitan where it's like sort of a glamping camping site. And mm-hmm. it was every other cabin, you know, was available to, to sort of use. That's what they booked. And it was amazing because you felt some sort of normalcy. The beach was open. You just got to be mindful about what you're doing. You know, there is a way there is a there's definitely a way to get back yeah. to Wisconsin is watching the bar scene is amazing. <laughs> it's crazy, you know. You yeah. never thought that watching someone drink a beer it would be entertaining. You're like, holy oh, shit! Look at how close he is. To that fucking guy. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. And we we have a we have a little community in this area uh, that opened up earlier it was open on Cinco de Mayo, and a guy that I know that owns a bar out there was like, I swear to you. There was no difference in Cinco de Mayo 2020 to Cinco de Mayo 2019. I'm like, what? How how is that? Really? Like people don't. So you're just going to chuck it all and go run. You've been sitting on your ass for the last two months and we're all going to go just slam back together in in a bar. I mean, that, that to me seems really I don't know. It's it's just it's dangerous for one, but it's irresponsible, I think, for the greater good. I at least in my mind, I don't
0: know. I agree. I mean, I I've I've, I've uh, I haven't announced it yet, but I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to try to do a tour uh, at drive-in movie theaters um, to do stand-up. But it's it's not. I just am, I'm like I'm stir crazy. I have all these fucking jokes that I'm writing down, and I feel like I. I've, and it's, it's almost like and and you feel like things are getting away from you. You're like I can only imagine uh, and this it goes back to like uh, Like I and I, i'm stuck on this for me a little bit but I can only imagine what it must be like to have started a dog grooming business and now losing your dog grooming business Because of these things there's a hat company in uh in nashville that I buy hats at whenever I perform in nashville and uh the woman was the very first woman that goes, this is not happening. I don't care if I die. I'm not losing this hat business. Mm-hmm. She's like, we'll be open through the entire quarantine.
1: Well, I mean, that's the other side of it. So, <laughs> I, you know, the other side of it is if I own the bar, I'd be like, okay, people are back in here. Or if I had the hat company or the dog grooming business or I have a buddy that just opened a gym literally to, I mean, leverage to the help, open a gym 2 weeks before quarantine the whole thing shut down and it's like the guy's just sitting on this 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 fire of money and i feel terrible for him so if if it's easy for me to come down on how everybody should act when i'm sitting where i sit so if i was scrambling for the next rent check or whatever it is i don't know it's it's hard to make people do stuff that's just going to put them down a financial drain
0: yeah Oliver, I have a weird question. You said earlier, you're talking about, um, you get sharp about who's your friends for what reasons. Mm-hmm. Like you had a, you had two famous parents. Your mom was a undeniably a sex symbol, like one of the most beautiful women of my growing up mm-hmm. and your sister's hot. Like, mm-hmm. How, like, how sharp did you have to be? We were like, are you here for my sister, my dad, or my mom? <laughs> or me? What do you mean? <laughs> no, it's true. I had, to go, I had to wade through three people to get
2: to myself, you know. But, yeah, no, you're right, dude. I mean, I, I actually, you just brought up this memory in my head. This was this is about Kurt. I played hockey for eight years, and I was on a team. And, and, um, and one of my kids, I forget his name, but he was just a dick all the time. And we were at practice one early morning. And we're standing there with our helmets off, just sort of waiting to do some sort of skating drill. And out of nowhere, he goes, Hey, does Kurt Russell suck your dick? <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? And I just like hauled <laughs> off on him, you know, out of nowhere. I'm like, this is, you know, so crazy shit. And then at camp, <laughs> and then at camp, I had a moment where <sighs> I'm friends with these girls, and we were like, you know, it was this, and it was fun, and it was, it was I was only 12, but we would like hook up, and, and they didn't know who my parents were, so I thought, and then they found out who my mom, my dad was, and then on the bus ride home, you know, I'm like, you only like me because of who my parents are, and then they, they start crying because it's so untrue. I, I missed the mark on that one, so <laughs> I, I was always trying to feel it out, it was just an insecurity of mine that no one liked me for me and it was more about sort of where I came from you know but as far as my mom and stuff goes like I and my sister my sister's tough she could she would always be able to take care of herself you know and, um they I didn't really have- many inappropriate moments when it came to that. If someone said my mom was hot or cap, I'm like, "Yeah, fuck, yeah, she is. They are. I mean, obviously, don't get graphic about what you potentially want to do to my mother, you know, yeah, but, hey, I can appreciate the fact that she's a sex symbol, but I will say though that in overboard there's a shot and her ass she's in a G string and her ass is showing. She did a movie called Wildcats where her tits are showing in a bathtub and and I was not necessarily like a fan of that i i I did not like that stuff i I can tell you that
0: <laughs> who was the who is who was your hot mom like who is the mom that you looked at you were like oh shit yeah Let's yeah your house yeah 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 oh god who this this mom we um, had like i had like I remember feeling like let down because I was like, my mom's not hot at all. Like <laughs> my mom just looked like a mom. And then you'd go to some kids' houses and you'd be like, holy
2: shit. Yeah. Yeah. There was this kid, there was this kid, Victor Ehrenberg, and he lived down my street and his mom was just hot, just sexy. And then it turns out it turned out that his dad turned out to be gay. Really? And left his mom and then started a whole relationship with a dude.
0: So I remember, I remember, I remember hearing about gay dads when I was in high school and being like, I, I couldn't even wrap my head around it. I wish that that was still like a thing where you go, where people could understand that we didn't all live in a open society the way we do today. Like sometimes I'll say things like that where I'll go, I mean, I could not, I couldn't wrap my head around this girl, this girl's dad came out of the closet and I was like, hold on, hold on wait, wait, hold on. But he's been with a woman. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't get, I couldn't understand it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, no, there I were major know. TV
1: stars that, that were, uh, gay. And it was like, it was, I don't think it was talked about or if people just couldn't understand that. I don't know. I am thankfully we live in a society now where my daughters, I've got 23 and 20 year old daughters. I've got two year old twin boys. Uh, I think the 23 and 20 year old daughters caught some of the end of that maybe, but I I think they all kind of just accept whatever
2: anybody's doing, which thank God, no, I, I totally agree. And I'm socially progressive. I don't give a shit who you love or what you do at all. Like I am, I am, I welcome it all. I, that does not bother me. You can have, you know, adopt kids, men with kids. Well, I, I love it. It's if there's love in your, if there's love in your family. If there's love, love is love. Love trumps it all. Right. But I will say this. I think that there needs to be a grace period in a sense. Like we need to understand, they need, we need to sort of get used to it. We're evolving, you know, there needs, if someone, you know, sees someone who's transgender and maybe stares too long, that's not a bad thing, necessarily. There's an adjustment period that has to happen, you know? I mean, you can't just snap your fingers and everything is just totally normal and it's exactly the way it has been for 40 years, you know? 50, yeah. 100 years. There is a There are incremental steps, like, of adjustment to sort of the new sort of progressive situation that is happening socially, you know?
0: Yeah, my, my, my dad was very... Um very progressive when you didn't need to be progressive. Like I I couldn't say the word faggot in my house. My dad would light up. He'd be like, what are you gay? If you're gay, just come out and say you're gay. That's only, only homophobic people use that word. And so if you're homophobic, that means that you're probably gay and I'll still love you. And I'd be like, dad. So like he would, like he was, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. I look back at my dad sometimes and go like, I I never really, this is back to daddy issues, but like, to this day, I kind of have to call my dad if I'm going to order a steak.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I, I kind of want to go, hey, they got dry age and they got wet age. Which one should I get? <laughs> He's like, I don't know, buddy. Like, and, and it's almost like a, like a, oh, let's get into this. Hold on but, one second.
1: <laughs> that's so great. And and I, I think back on my dad, the best thing that my dad did along those lines was just stay in the game and as a 75 year old man was around 21 year old athletes and was sitting in the i mean he he had carte blanche inside the cardinals locker room clubhouse and he could go anywhere in it he sat back in the players lounge they bullshitted with him he bullshitted with them it, it was it kept him young that's was what I, I mean he was he was Experiencing rap music as a seventy-five-year-old man, and just you know, didn't even probably enter into his head. He was tolerating it and talking to guys, and and I, I think that was the best thing. It was just he was just kind of come one, come all.
2: He was he was the least.
1: Uh, we well, are like kids, uh, kids are around guy. the
2: same age, Bert. I mean, I've got a twelve-year-old and then ten, but you know, I, I always fancied myself as like the cool dad, and I'll never sort of be out of touch. <laughs> but it's sort of slowly happening now where they're saying things to me and using certain lingos that I'm like, what the fuck are they saying? Like, what are they talking about here, you know? And they're coming to me like, "What well, you don't know so-and-so or you don't know such-and-such? I'm like, I have no idea, man, what you're even talking about. And I'm slowly losing touch with some of this 12-, 13-year-old shit that's going on.
1: <laughs> I, I learned that on the 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 graduation broadcast that people are popping up. I'm like, who the hell is that? Like they're, they're giving performances and I'm like, is it over? Am I done? Am I, I'm 51. Am I the old guy that doesn't, who, who is that on me yeah. with the, the singing and the gyrations and the guitar. And the, it's yeah. like, what, what's happened to me? I don't know who anybody is now. All of a sudden it's like the day you wake up and, you can't read something in front of your face. Like it happens overnight. All of a sudden you go, Oh, that's what bifocals are for.
2: I had no idea. TikTok generation. That's what's happening.
0: Oh uh, yeah. I, I did when everyone was getting outraged over the Gal Gadot video, I didn't even know at first. I didn't know. I didn't know that was Gal Gadot. I didn't recognize her without her wonder woman costume on. So like, (laughs) and then, and then I didn't, no the only person i recognized right away was christine Kristen wig i love yeah i love Kristen wig i think she might be i think i by the way i have a bunch of unpopular thoughts and Mm -hmm. one of them is women on snl have always been funnier than men across the board you can't say that out loud to like bros because everyone's like dude farley and i'm like yeah, I think Kristen Wiig was a is is a hundred times funnier than Chris Farley on fucking SNL.
1: Think about all the things they had to get over, all the hurdles they had to to get over to be considered funny enough to be on SNL. Yeah, I agree with you. Kristen Wiig is looking talented. talented. She could do anything. Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. Kate, McKinnon, Kate
0: by McKinnon. By the way, Kate McKinnon is so fucking. There's good. Kate it's McKinnon, so so and there's good. like everybody else, right? Yeah. Now.
2: Kate McKinnon is one of the most talented people. I mean, it's crazy how how great she is. God, she's good,
0: dude. I don't even like my daughters and I will watch. Have you seen Kate McKinnon's um, "Getting Abducted by Aliens" sketch?
1: Oh my god! I, I mean, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I've seen two I've of them, s- and and the, obviously the 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 other actors, the other performers can't hold it together for good reason. Um, yeah. But that's what my daughter wants to do. That's what my twenty-three-year-old daughter wants to do. She wants to act. She wants to do comedy. She can sing, you know. She, but, but that's those are her Kristen Wiig and and Kate McKinnon are the the
2: people she looks up to more than me, probably. So I mean, they're just they're talented across the board. Like they can do sketch, but they're also really great actors. You know, I mean, they can pretty much do it all.
0: So let's. I want to have a parenting question, Joe. How? What was the uh, cuz you have older children than me and Oliver what what's the deal how do you deal with like uh if your child my child's let's hypothetically say my child's curious about drugs and alcohol and she's 15 and let's hypothetically say you party a lot with drugs and alcohol okay <laughs> hypothetically <laughs> right <laughs> so <laughs> let's say mean? I'm you yeah let's say you're me and then yeah. your kids my kid Georgia so what are you supposed to do? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I look back and I wonder how I grew up the way I grew up because I was, I mean, I drank some. Oliver and I have talked about this literally 1,000 times. I saw drugs around me because I went to a little rich prep school and I saw Coke. I saw ecstasy before it had a name. I saw
2: shrooms. I saw way, acid. It was,
0: it was amazing back then when it didn't have a name. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, because it was cut up with everything. That's why. It was heroin, speed. Fucking- but I,
1: I saw other kids <laughs> reacting to this stuff, and it scared the shit out of me. Because I saw friends that all of a sudden were totally different. I'm not talking about weed, and yet I grew up not smoking weed either. But I'm talking about coke and acid and ecstasy and just girls freaking out at a prom. And I, I I love to be a voyeur and watch it, but I, my, my, it's a long form answer saying, I don't know what was put into me. I think I was so scared of being the one arrested or the, being the one getting DWI because of my dad and knowing that in my small town, it would be Jack Buck's son, Joe, and three others that I just never I just was so scared of getting in trouble that I was really a, a stiff kid. Uh, and, and I've kind of carried that forward. And I think my daughters have have followed suit. Now, they do stuff. I, I kind of leave them on their own now that they're over 20. But I, I think whatever you put in, mean? they have. I, I don't believe – the only thing they do or have done and I think they've weaned themselves off of is the jewel. Which I scares the shit out of me because nobody knows what the long term effects are because it's such new technology or whatever. So yeah. who knows what they're putting into their lungs? Or we need, to, what we doing did, we need
2: to get those girls into some cannabis. It's important for them. No, no, we don't. Yes, we do. No, we don't. If they're actors and they want to be creative, it's going to open up a whole new.
1: Thing. Oh, okay. Should I? Why don't you have a camp and I'll send them out to your camp. <laughs> and you can teach them, you know, the do's and don'ts. I don't know the answer. I just stayed away from it as a kid, and my kids, for the most part, stayed away from it. But they did drink. I, I drinking was one thing that, for maybe because I'm old, that I was like, ah, I, you know, whatever. But the drug thing was always, even weed, I was always so weird about. So I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. They just, well, they Oliver, just you, kind you, of
0: steered away. You probably, I, I think everyone would assume you have very like, like I, I think let me just say, I would assume you would have very like liberal parents who were like, listen, if you're going to try weed, you should try it with us. Mm -hmm. Like what was, what were your parents views on drugs and alcohol? Um,
2: well, when I came home from college, you know, like, freshman year or whatever, or even when I was in high school, we would drink in the house, you know, I'm sure they knew it wasn't like, Oh, let's open a beer with, with Kurt and mom, you know, and have a beer together necessarily. That was sort of once I got back from college, my freshman year, and we were able to have some beers together, you know, but, um, you know, they were very liberal when it came to that stuff. They let me sort of figure it out on my own, which, I did, but I, I got, I was the opposite of Joe, man. I was doing some crazy, crazy stuff, not drugs. Drugs for me was I, was, I was not really into drugs. I was into, I smoked my weed, you know, I took, I took my ecstasy, but I wasn't into Coke and all that. I had some crazy, crazy experiences as a 16 year old boy that I'm actually writing a, a movie about, cause it was insane. I dated a Heidi Fleiss girl without knowing it for a minute. And for nine months, she was 10 years older than me. And we were in Hollywood. And I was living this double life of, you know, like like the West Side life with my parents. And then the East Side sort of L.A. life with with this woman of the evening. I mean, crazy at 16 years old, you know. Um, so I was in a whole different arena when it came to that. Uh, you know, but I grew weed when I was a kid, you know, in high school. And so it, it was they, they were never in my face about it. It was never like, you can't do this or you shouldn't do that. You know, they, they let me make my own mistakes and I was parented interesting. It was an, an interesting way of doing it. And I sort of follow suit with my kids. Like I got arrested for paintballing on Halloween, paintballing people on Halloween, like shooting <laughs> out of my car, you know. <laughs>
0: I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: People thought it was like a real weapon. So the police came guns drawn, like get your fucking hands up. And we got put in the squad car. We got called. We got, we got, we went to the station. And, um, (laughs) so we got, uh, uh, Kurt or or so they say, okay, so we got to call your parents and, uh, let's start with you. And they pointed to me and like, what's your dad's name? And I'm like, Oh fuck. (laughs) I was like, Kurt Russell. And they're like, what uh, You know, so, yeah, so they're like, what's your dad's name? Like, Snake this isn't time to fuck around. And I said Kurt Russell, and they were like, what? And then they started fighting over who was going to make the phone call. Wow. One guy was like, I arrested him. I was the one who arrested him. The other guy was like, he was in my squad car, blah, blah, blah. They call Kurt. All the dads come down to the station, you know, and I didn't get punished. This is my point, because... You I he it's benefit of the doubt shit. You know what you did wrong. I'm gonna give you this If you don't know what you did wrong, you're a complete idiot. and You might as well not live in this house When I got in trouble, it was the small things it it was being arrogant. It was taking shit for granted It was being spoiled. It was being a dick things that I wasn't even noticing that I was doing That's when I got in trouble. The bigger things, the bigger, you know, I I was graffitiing and shit and doing stupid things. And it was, you know, it was like, I'm not gonna punish you. You're an asshole. You're an idiot. You know what you did wrong. You know, that's sort of how it worked with with my parents.
1: God, I haven't lived.
2: I just haven't lived. (laughs) i I, I don't don't have i don't have anything i could even i was rebellious i i I think that because i grew up privileged in the the way that i did i felt like i wanted to sort of be a part of something different you know what i mean i I think that's why i was in hollywood with this weird you know high-class escort and i was you know graffitiing the fucking palisades which is the richest neighborhood in, in los angeles i mean and I was growing weed and trying to sell weed for what? I didn't need it. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know. I, I, I was looking, searching for something. I wanted something different, I guess, you know?
0: This podcast is brought to you by Miller High Life, bringing pride to the simple things in life. Miller High Life is an unpretentious quality beer with refreshing champagne-like tiny bubbles in an iconic glass bottle, accessible to everyone, whether it is big or small, Every moment in life is worth celebrating. Celebrate with Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, a high-quality beer within everyone's reach. Starting in May and August this summer, Miller High Life will raise a can to celebrate the summer's simple moments with limited edition champagne cans. Simple summer moments don't have to be big. Just sitting in the backyard, having an ice-cold beer, watching the sunset, that's what I'm talking about. Find these limited edition cans in stores now. Miller High Life is a quality beer, an iconic brand you can be proud to hold. The brand has been faithfully brewed the same way since its start, New Year's Eve. Who doesn't love a brand that started on New Year's Eve filled with hopes? In 1903, their founders believed that everyone should enjoy the good life, which is why He created the Champagne of Beers, which High Life has been most famously known for for the past 100 years. This May through August, raise a can and celebrate summer with Miller High Life. I know I will. I have been this entire tour. I've been celebrating with them, and I'm proud to have them as a sponsor. Miller High Life, the Champagne of Beers, quality beers within everyone's reach. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's gotta. It's gotta be. Like you see, you see a lot of kids of celebrities, and you go like, like a, one my heart throbs for. I feel so bad for this kid is Chet Hanks. Dude,
2: it's amazing. I knew you were gonna say that. I love
0: Chet. that kid, man. I love him because he is so authentic. Yeah. With Chet Hanks. He is—he's not pretending to be anyone other than who the fuck he is, and it's—and oh. people think he's trying to be other people. No, no, no. He's just Chet, and yes. and and you go. It's got to be tough. It's just got to be tough to try to find a voice. Like, I mean, I didn't have to. I didn't. My, my thing was, you know, your your dad tries to make you into the man he wants you to be. The humble <clears> and <throat> and and keep your head low. Put in hard work. That's <laughs> the kind of guy we're gonna be. And I was just naturally a kid who wanted to be in front of everyone. I wanted to be loud. I wanted to say, I said stupid shit. I did stupid shit. So when I decided I wanted to be whatever I wanted to be, I wanted to be a stand standup. Uh, and by the way, it was, I, it came out of, I was written up in Rolling Stone magazine. So it was like a six times page article my dad sees. And is like, what the fuck? It's almost like I've been leading a double life the way you, when you get, Shotgun, I remember shooting people with paintball guns. Mm -hmm. Now you look at that and you're like, how the fuck did I not get killed?
2: Dude, I don't know. There's so many times where I'm like, I can't believe that was even me. I I would never do that. that's not even a piece of who I am. I'd be like, are you crazy? What the fuck was wrong with you? I mean, nuts, dude. I can't believe I was feeling happy. But but how are you gonna be, Ollie, when
1: your three come to you or don't come to you and Mm -hmm and dive into the whole weed world that that you're such a proponent of
2: i uh you know look obviously i'm not going to smoke a joint with my kid who's 12 years old i mean you know but i would rather smoke a joint with him at 15 or 16 than have a whiskey honestly you know i mean
0: uh, yeah now here's this is exact conversation we got into last night i said to both my girls i would much 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 rather you smoke marijuana than drink drinking you do not know how much to have and you can die. And I don't want to lose you. I yeah. do, and th- that's it. That's number one. And yeah. then my youngest daughter was like, I can't die from weed. And I was like, you got to smoke a lot of it. I go, you can lose your fucking mind. Like, you'll, I go, that's my other thing with marijuana. I don't want you to do it until your brain's fully developed. Yes. And, and, and those are my rules. And then my daughter, Georgia, and I'm, I don't know if I should even be talking about this, but said, I'm curious about marijuana. Like I have friends that are smoking it, and I'm curious. I want to try it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I was almost like, uh, "That's
1: so great! That's so great! That, yeah, that, that that right it. there,
0: yeah, dude, totally. That means
1: me. you're doing stuff right. I mean, the fact that she would open up and say that to you instead of be like, oh, great,' oh, dad, and then just slump off to her room, that's a that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, you right just there.
2: right there. That's great. I mean, yeah, shit. But,
0: but yeah, but I don't. But now how I how old? How old is she? Fifteen.
2: Yeah, she's getting to that spot.
0: You know? All her friends, this is what I, t- this is one of the inventions I want to make, is I want to make a, um like a toilet uh, drug testing kit for kids. So you can put it in your kid's toilet, they piss, and then it turns green, and that means they've just spoken <laughs> uh,
1: So really do the the uh, wives' tale, or the urban legend thing of peeing in a pool, oh, turning everything yeah. purple, yeah. but, but it's real, and... Now you know what your kids been doing. Great idea,
0: Love As, and if and while we're at inventions, I also want to invent a pillow that has speakers in it, so I can listen to podcasts while I sleep and not wake my wife up. Now, here's but here's my <laughs> point: is that get, uh, get in get in
1: business with the my pillow guy. He's everywhere.
0: <laughs> so the the only thing we're letting our daughters do, and really just my oldest daughter, my youngest daughter is not, is go ride bikes with their friends, socially distance, wear masks. You can go ride bikes with your friends, and she's fifteen. They're doing it every weekend, like beginning of the day till the end of the day. And she came home the other night and was really goofy and giggly. And I I just was, I just was like, I know what I'd be doing at 15. And I was like, God damn it. I said to my wife, I go, these kids are eating edibles and riding bikes. Like I, I can't have that. I got really like protective. Yeah. And then in a weird, like parallel universe, I thought, I would love to eat an edible and go on a bike ride, like with my friends, like and be fifteen and be trying marijuana for the first time and be like, "Fuck yeah!" Like this is awesome. Do it early in the morning, enjoy your day, and then come home sober and be like, "I'm going to bed, Dad." And And then I was like, "Okay, so what am I protecting her from?" Like, like I'm trying to, like I don't know, I.
2: Yeah, I know. Well, it's just the out of control nature. I mean, even when you're high, you're not in your right body. I mean, you're still high. You're stoned. You know, yes, you cannot die from marijuana. You can smoke a fucking eight in like this. You will not die. You might pass out, but you can die if you cross the street and you're not paying attention because you're stoned, fucked up, you know, for sure. And especially if you're eating edibles, you know, who knows? You got to know how much to take because you can have a
0: Oh, on, sort of I just organic. I just had that conversation with them last night about threshold limits and like like 2.5 milligrams is really where you want to start and it'd never be a, like and I was just and I wasn't saying like giving I was just putting out information for her in life not saying she was allowed to do it but going listen I had a buddy uh, one of my buddies is a comedian Tom Segura and one of our other buddies told him they gave him 10 milligrams and then turned out he gave him 100 and what? Yeah, and and he's—I don't know if he's talked about it or not—but uh, one of our buddies, Joey Diaz, gave him a hundred, and then they had to fly in a private jet from Miami to to L.A. And Tom said he was losing his mind, like oh, he was—he goes, "It wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't fun. Like I was speaking in tongues." And when it happened, this is once again—I don't know if Tom's talked about this, but fuck it. When it happened, I had been drugged by my friend. One of my one of our friends drugged me uh, at my house one time, mm-hmm. and so it was very public. Everyone knew about it, and I had a lot of feelings about it. <laughs> and so, and so he when this happened,
2: of some kind like he 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 drugged you and I mean, like roofied you. <laughs>
0: no, he uh, he he. By the way, everyone listening to this knows has heard this story, but uh, we did a podcast, and he slipped me Molly, and uh, okay. and so we were on a podcast and then I had to get on a plane that night and fly oh. to start my tour. And if my kids were here and my wife, my wife fucking hates this guy now. And, and so, I, but right after it, I had feelings about it. I had emotions and I talked to Tom extensively about all my feelings. Then Tom gets drugged <laughs> and he calls me and my kids are hearing about Tom getting drugged and Tom's feelings and Tom's emotions. And so I explained to them yesterday, you know, when Tom got drugged, it was a hundred milligrams. And they were like, they were like, is that a lot? I'm like, Oh my God, this is why I don't want you using drugs. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a lot. Like, good God. Yeah. And they're like, (laughs) what's, and now my dad's eating marijuana and they're like, what's Papa take? And I was like, fucking 10 milligrams. And then, and so all of a sudden it's the conversations that you're like, I don't want to fucking have any of these. That's
1: That's why I think that's That's why I don't like being around Oliver because I'm scared to death. He's going to do this to me to go see you didn't die see you had fun see you had and i talked we talked about it last week you and i but i know, know next I
2: time we're go gonna do something i would never do that to you I would never do that to you. But that that seems like
1: a real uh, violation of a friend. It is.
2: It is. I I would agree with that. I would never do that to you. But I will say this. I think it's smart that you are talking to your girls tonight. They they do have the question about how many milligrams is too much. That's for sure something they should know. Because if they do get into a situation where they are riding their bikes and one of the girlfriends breaks out a 10 milligram gummy, it's like, oh, dad said two and a half. And if you're going to do it, start at two and a half. You know what I mean? So... It's a good conversation to have, and fifteen, I think, it's the right age for that,
0: especially yeah. with
2: the legalization and how available it is. You know, I told him, them, I told him last
0: night, I was like, so it so "Never take drugs think- from a boy," and then my youngest goes, "Cause they're just trying to rape us, right?" And I was like, "Bingo, <laughs> baby, That's, you got it. That's all you need to know."
1: You're doing a hell of a job. <laughs> just keep going and just how- just
0: stay the course. <laughs> I'll get you guys out of here. I don't want to keep you too long, but um, but I, well, I'm curious. He's Joe you I fantasize sometimes I'm tr- I'm trying to think of the right way to word this. I made a comment to Bill Burr one time about how mu- how nice it must be to be an old dad. And he was like, "Wait, what?" And I said, "You get to do all the good things. Like when I was a, I was a young dad and I just fucked up my kids. Like I we never we didn't teach them French or do any of the cool shit. Like we were just struggling to get make money." And Bill got really pissed. <laughs> and he was like, "I'm not a fucking old dad." And he was like, I'm just a good dad. I'm, I care. And he's, and by the way, he's right. But I fantasize sometimes about my second family and doing it right. Like, how are you the second go around? Are you, do you notice that you're like, you're like, you know, one of the things I didn't get to do with the, my first kids was like, do this dot, dot, dot. And now you're going like, I'm definitely like more patient. I'm, I'm going to read, like, I never read to my fucking kids. It used to drive me fucking nuts. Cause all I could do as I sat and read is go, I should be writing a joke or writing a script. Like we don't have any money. Like we're broke. Like what the fuck? Like you read your own fucking book. I'm going to try to make a career over here.
1: Oh my God. But at least they're asking you questions that they should be asking. You. I, I look back. It's funny. Cause as you said that my 23, almost 24 year old just walked into the hallway over there. Um, I don't feel like it's any different. I think, I, I think the difference is who I get to do it with and how we co-parent together uh, is a completely different feel for me. And I'm not bragging on where I come from and, and that. I'm, I'm just saying that my wife, current wife, has the most patience of anybody I know. And I see that on display and now at 51, and waking up at 6.15 with these boys that are screaming in their cribs and want to get out, I'm fucking worn out. And by the end of the day, my patience is zero. So I think I had way more patience. The beauty of my job, I, I you don't, none of us have been 9 to 5 guys, but you were going day, day after day after day after day. I, I had seasons of that. But when I was just doing Fox stuff, I was around Monday through Friday, and I was doing carpool drop off, pickup, homework, all that other stuff. So I was just as involved as a late 20 year old as I am at 51. And now when they're going to school, I'm going to be in my late 50s, mid to late 50s. I don't know. I, I hope I have the patience and I have the desire to take my kids camping like Oliver just did. I'd like to think I will.
2: How but old do you think they graduate high school? Uh like 67. Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> I math is not on my side. I just sit around and go, okay. Everybody that dies now, I look, I'm like, oh, 86. Okay. If I made it to 86, my kids would be. And and then the math starts working out, but I gotta make it to 86. And and I don't like my chances with the way I'm trending. So uh I I, I like I think it's the same experience. I just get to do it with somebody that's got infinitely more patience than I do, and I find myself always being the bad guy, like ripping the crayon or the marker out of their hands right now. Ali and I just talked about this. Well, she's like, now, Blake, don't color on your leg. Okay, there's one. Blake, I said, don't color on your leg. I'm like, they're fucking two. They don't understand English or reasoning. Take it out of their hand. And then I'm like, here, I'll show you. Rip, I take it out of their hand. Then I'm the asshole. So I'm the no man. She's the everything's fine and uh you know between the two of us we even out to uh, like a normal parent
0: how old were you when you had kids
2: oliver started i was 30 29 30 my first kid
0: oh yeah like a like a yeah. like that's a, that was what i was i was like 32 maybe
2: i always wanted to have kids young though i mean even when i was in my, in my 20s i'm like i want to have kids young i want to be like a youngish dad he's a great oliver's a great dad we're different types
1: of dads but i think our kids know where they sit in our lives, and if you, Bert, are able to have that conversation with your kids, that that's a that's a real clue that you're doing something right. That they have an open dialogue with you. That's all I ever wanted, and and that's what I have with my girls who are now in their early twenties, and now they're both dating men that are, you know, they're really serious with these guys. And I think the next step is probably the marriage step, uh, if something doesn't go haywire, and. You know, I I I feel like they're with good men, and and that's you know men that really treat them right and treat them like I would want them to be treated, and I think in some ways treat them like I
2: did treat them.
1: So it's it's really gratifying to get to the back end of this thing and see that they're picking people partners that uh that have the right priorities and and have the same thoughts about protecting them like I do.
0: Well, I I gotta be honest, guys, this has been a blast. I don't want to. I know that like usually I go really long, but I feel like uh I feel like with today's schedule and with two people, I, I feel like is there anything I haven't asked you guys?
2: <laughs> no. This is great, dude. I because, love. by it. the way, if
0: you don't make if you don't make um does Kurt Russell suck your dick <laughs> That is the hard. That's the hardest I've laughed at in a fucking long time.
1: I, I thought Bert was going down when you were telling that story. He was leaned back and like tears <laughs> were coming out of his eyes.
2: Shocking to me. And was, by the way, it was like five thirty a.m. I mean, I was exhausted <laughs> to the practice standing there. I don't know where it's fucking good. It.
0: It's it's funny. My the the only, I remember my daughter Isla had a friend over, and it was like a cool friend or whatever. And I remember the look in her eyes when the girl mentioned something about my Instagram followers. Mm-hmm. And Isla, I watched Isla realize, "Oh fuck!" Like I got had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and she just like this, and I was like, "I was like, both of us got had." Yeah. And I was like, "But it, uh, it's, it's been a fun time talking to you guys, Joe." A long time ago, uh, you were doing a talk show in a taxi cab. Oh yeah. And I got a call, and they said, uh, "They said you're never going to believe this. We got an offer for you to come out. It's. I think you're shooting in New York. You did one yeah. with Silverman, maybe.
1: Yes. We. Uh, yeah. We had a pretty good list of, of guests. It was done for Anheuser Bush. They were doing. They were starting like ABTV or something. That it didn't go anywhere.
0: Um. Yeah. And so they were like, uh, "We got the this offer from." Joe Buck. And by the way, this is, this is, I think this is right before you started to pop. Was this before your Fox contract?
1: Yeah. Uh, no, I had been doing Fox, but I, it, it was pretty early on. It this was a long time ago.
0: And my agent was like, do you have any idea how fucking amazing this is? And at the time I'm like, I oh, wait, who's Joe Buck? And they're like, are you fucking serious? And he goes on the whole thing, right? It's a conference call. And he's like, you are flying to New York to fucking do this. You're getting an opportunity to sit with Joe Buck. And I get off the phone and I'm like, God damn it, man. How the fuck do I not know who Joe Buck is? And my, another agent calls and he goes, just giving you a heads up. That agent's from St. Louis. Like he's really. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. There you go. I'm big but, in St. Louis. But it's <laughs> crazy
0: because from that day on, I've been a fan. Uh, well, thank you. I, I so- appreciate it. And
1: and Oliver was like, and I was psyched to come on here because, uh, yeah, you know, when you get to come on with with somebody as as accomplished as you, uh,
2: it's meaningful. So um, thanks for having a song. No, Good well, I mean, smart question. This is dope. This is really really fun,
0: actually. No, I I I just uh, I I it was fun catching up on your podcast, and uh, and now I got to be honest, I'm going to switch over and start listening to um sibling rivalry as well. Yeah, uh, I, just, great. I just found that. Uh, so that where just, are you where do you live? Are you in L.A. Yeah. yeah,
2: I like that little man cavey thing you got going on back oh, there. Oh, this well, thing—we got to do better,
0: amazing. This, uh, this was given to me by the TV show Man Caves. I move it oh. around. Oh, really? Yeah. This <laughs> is That's amazing. Dude. And so, yeah, this is uh, a little sidebar. Uh, I was on working for Travel Channel. I did. I was doing my second season of a show called Birth to Conqueror, and they offered this to me. A guy named Adam Richmond had well, was Man vs. Food. They couldn't really figure it out. And they were like, Hey, we'll just give you the man cave. We were supposed to give to him and to you the day this got finished. I got fired from travel channel. (laughs) I did letterman that night. I flew to New York, did letterman, got fired, came home. And Tony Saragusa goes, just so you know, buddy, we pumped one hundred and eighty thousand dollars into that little fucking room, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, this is this is the and including the birth of my children, yeah. the greatest thing that's ever happened to me is this makes
2: It looks amazing. I, I'm jealous. I, I want one and, and need one. Talk about three kids. I live in a, a children's frat house. I mean, it, it's not an adult home. I mean, there's it's this the way we've done it though. You know, a lot of my friends have adult homes and three kids. Their kids are they're they're delegated to a certain spot. Like, no, we it's but I need
0: a space like
1: Yeah, that. but everybody's stoned over there, so you don't
0: give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much. Congratulations Thanks, man. On the Thanks. Podcast, and thank you. Uh, take care. Thanks uh, so much. Thank you, guys. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.